Can I say the F word on? You can, but then we have to beep it out or we get flagged <laughs> as explicit in Apple. Yes. Can we go yeah. for the explicit in Apple flag? <laughs> this is an explicit podcast, not for children. <laughs> I think, I don't know how it works. I have to, I have to explore that a little bit. I'm just, I'm just figuring out the recording and production piece. Yeah, uh, yeah I love it. Um, Hi, I'm Jonathan Bowers. I am a software entrepreneur from Kamloops, and I haven't slept much this week because Zach is experiencing a sleep regression. <laughs> Hi, I'm Angela Hopke. I am the CEO of Clinect, a digital health startup in Kamloops, and I sent my children to daycare for the first time in 73 days. Oh my goodness. Uh, did you... <laughs> How do you feel about that? Um, Jonathan, I have never felt like deeply felt bittersweet like this. <laughs> I have spent 73 days seeing them every single day. Yeah kissing their smushy little faces, watching them grow. And I have to now give them away for eight hours a day again. Wow. And on the other hand, mama gets to do whatever mama wants to do for eight hours a day again. <laughs> that's so exciting. I'm so jealous and so scared for you at the same time. That's This is what I mean by bittersweet. I've never yeah. felt the deep visceralness of bittersweet in my life before. <laughs> uh, well, this is a podcast about healthcare and healthcare technology. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, what's going on in in your world right now. So interesting uh, things happening right now in the world of surgery. Yeah. Um, the CMAG, which is the Canadian Medical Association Journal, just published a article around how they believe that the backlog of surgeries will be not solved, but part one part of, of a large solution would be central intake for referrals. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. It's being echoed everywhere. And as w myself and one of my colleagues talked about, he says, I don't think anybody understands how hard it is. And I was like, I would, uh, I would agree. And it's, it's not the software around it, but it is the cohesiveness of groups mm. to agree to a central intake. And especially, especially in a case where there is the perception of surgeries being divvied up. Like, let's just each take uh, our equal pieces of the pie and do it that way. And the other person is maybe arguing in the fact that, well, I can get done way more gallbladders than you can. So maybe I should just take more of them. It's an interesting one because when we talk about uh, divvying up just strictly referrals, what you're divvying up there is consultations and potentially procedures down the road. But when we're talking about divvying up procedures there's a much higher price tag attached to those, right? Um, it's also short-term thinking. In what way? So if you think about the way that Clinect is built, is we're built um, with the long-term in mind. We are building it so that groups can get on the same platform, divvy up those referrals in a way that is equitable or 
purpose, purposefully inequitable with the idea that you're going to get good data from this. You're going to get accurate go times with your wait times, right? right. You're going to um, get a baseline of where you're at when you do equally, based on constraints if you want to, equally level load those referrals. And then in maybe six months time, start to taking a look at wait times and going, oh, well, you know, if we tweaked this here, tweaked this here, then we could do, uh, then we could maybe shorten wait times for everyone for category A or B. It's that longer term view that gets you sophisticated data accurate wait times, um, reports and data to go to governing bodies or sit at tables with and go, hey, this is this is the actual stuff. And that takes time. That takes a long time. Whereas what we're talking about with um, this backlog of surgeries that are waiting um, due to COVID, you're just looking at like, how many can we get through as quickly as possible in the most equitable way now, not two years from now, but now. Is, but isn't that the same thing though? Like if, if there's a backlog and you're trying to get through them as quickly as possible, it, is it a different solution than when we're not faced with this however many month backlog of, of surgeries? Arguably, it is the same okay. solution. The The difference, I think, is um, Clinect is built in a way that we can do a central intake that also allows patient continuity of care. So meaning I have my surgery done by the same surgeon that I saw in my initial consult. This messes all of that up. And that was a differentiator with Clinect is we actually like for so long, we talk about the fact that um, in order to have a central intake and do surgeries effectively, um, everybody needs to kind of be put into to pooled piles along each part of the journey. And Clinect um, and our philosophy said, well, hold, hold, hold up a minute. Couldn't we maybe have both? Right. And still serve the public in a way that is um, is appropriate, but you also get to have that continuity of care with the surgeon that you've started to get to know. And right. that that's never been, been really considered. The, the thing has always been that um, in order to get me through as quickly as possible, I just get to see the next available person, whether that be for an, a consult or a procedure or et cetera, et cetera. Whereas we said, you know, time out, if you take a look at the big picture, I think we could do both of those things. But right now, it seems like the the focus is, is not so much that continuity of care. It's, it's we like, we really need to get through this backlog of surgeries. And you don't, you don't really get to decide, you just like, it needs to get done. That's exactly um, it. That's, right. that's the thinking right now. Is that it? And there is, there is definitely research that says, um, that patients prefer to get their surgeries done quicker if it means that, even if it means that they have to see somebody that's different. I'd rather have my surgery now than 10 years from now. And I think, you know, the what we were trying to say is the question's phrased incorrectly. Right. Um, if, the, if the question is, um, would you take a different surgeon than you had your initial consult with to do your surgery if it meant you could have it faster? Well, that just yeah. incites a yes, right? Yes. Whereas if the other que- if the two questions were, if you could have your surgery done at the same time, um, would you prefer the surgeon that you've already met and built a relationship with or a new surgeon? 
That's like, that's the question that Clinect is asking. Right. Which incites a different response, but it takes time to do that. It takes time to understand your baseline data and wait times and then tweak with good data, making informed decisions versus the short-term thinking where it's like, okay, we just got to get through these surgeries now. I would like to see a bit of both. I'd like to see a mix where maybe we do that for the short term is we just try and make the most efficient, meaningful, safe way to do this as possible right now. But down the road, don't forget about the the long, the long term. You've talked a lot about what Clinect and referrals and all of these things. There's some context that I think people won't have. Can you describe what the like? How how do referrals work at a really basic level? What is a referral? What what happens? Um, I think it's a, a referral is something that most people are familiar with, whether they kind of know it or not. So every time you go to your primary care provider, um, so that includes general practitioners, uh, family practitioners, nurse practitioners, um, all, all these healthcare providers that can make referrals to specialists. So let's say it's a family doctor. You go to your family doctor and you have abdominal pain. And your family doctor says, okay, it's bad enough that he's concerned that it, it might be a gallbladder or something like that. So I'm going to send you off to a general surgeon. So at this point, your family doctor is, okay, who's the general surgeons in town? Who does gallbladders? Are they all working full time right now? Is any of them away on holiday? And, 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 and. So all these questions. So then your uh, family doctor sends, builds a referral, sends it off in their, um, typically their, they make a referral in their EMR. What's an EMR? So it's a software that they use to manage your medical records. So an EMR right. is an electronic medical record system. They type up a letter, they put any pertinent information, maybe your medical histories and me- medications that you're on, things like that. They put together a little package that either gets printed off and faxed to this general surgeon that they've guessed is around and guessed that does gallbladders. At this point, your family doctor is hoping that they received it. They're not 100% sure because they don't get a confirmation. They also don't know how long the wait time is. They have no idea. The receiving surgeon's end either receives this on a fax machine, like a physical copy on a fax machine or their virtual fax machine, which is hopefully linked to their EMR, where they receive it, they put it, they put it into their EMR. So now you have a a patient record on their end. Um, They typically don't send a confirmation back. You are now waiting. You don't have a clue how long you're supposed to be waiting um, because nobody's giving you an estimated waiting time and you have no idea if they actually received it or not. That's typically how a referral goes. So in a worst case, you go see your family physician for some concern and he guesses at who to send it to faxes it, doesn't know if it actually was received on that end, um, and you never have any insight into that entire process, possibly never get seen because it was not actually delivered to anyone. Worst case scenario, yeah. 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 And there's many, many scenarios that go along with that, um, meaning the referral could have gone to a specialist that doesn't practice anymore. The referral could have gone to a specialist that doesn't do uh, gallbladders and maybe didn't didn't send it back to that primary care provider. Um, 
best case scenario, they send it off to the specialist. The specialist receives it. Um, maybe their MOA gives the primary care provider's MOA a quick call to say, "Hey, we got this. Uh, we got this referral." Um, my guess is, you know, it'll be about a two month wait time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we'll we'll contact the patient directly, and in two months, you're contacted, usually by phone. So hopefully, you answered your phone because they're phoning with an appointment for you. And if you didn't answer, then that, then they're going to the next one on the list and they're getting that appointment. And then they get you, they get you on the phone and they say, Jonathan, can you come in at two o'clock on Tuesday? And you actually can go in at two o'clock on Tuesday and you get seen. So Clinect now is an attempt to try and fix some of those pains. Yeah. We are taking on the army of fax machines that are in all the physician offices <laughs> all over. That's who we're taking on. Oh, fax machines. I worked for an organization that was um, kind of old in their ways. Uh, it frustrated me to no end that the thing that we would do as a practice to put information on on the web in a digital form yep. was, so we started by typing it up in a Word document digitally. Okay. Print it. No. Scan it. No. And then put the PDF of the scan up on the website. That's how information was communicated. It started digital. It was converted into something analog, then back into digital, but a much worse version of, than the original. No. And put it up on the on the web. And it was it just it just boggled my mind that this was this was something that people thought was the right thing to do. So tell me about Clinect. What is Clinect now? Clinect is a drastically different way of making a referral. It's all online. It is tracked. There's an audit log around it. So everybody knows when that referral was sent. Everybody knows when it was received, accepted. It's encrypted in a way that is forward thinking and exciting. It's not a not a fax machine or a piece of paper sitting on a fax machine, that's for sure. And it allows the really exciting part for physicians on both the referring and receiving end is that the primary care provider doesn't need to make all those guesses that I talked about. They can just say, hey, Jonathan has what I think is a gallbladder issue. I think it's urgent and it automatically lets that doctor know who is available and who can take gallbladders. And then from the specialist perspective, they get appropriate referrals, uh, timely, they're tracked, and it allows the specialists to share those referrals among the group of uh, specialists in that area. So it's pretty exciting. It's it is exciting. Lindsay shared oh a McLean's article about mm-hmm. how <laughs> how we rely on fax machines to send all this data around and how it's just it's just not working. So it seems like it seems like you know COVID has come in and the, the light has been shone on how broken the fax machine is for this kind of thing. For for anything. Like fax machines, we don't need them anymore. We don't need them anymore. Um, healthcare in Canada is built on foundations of things like fax machines. I recently heard somebody say that healthcare in Canada is theatrical in the fact that we do showcase 
people doing remote surgeries with VR goggles and this amazing high tech approach to all these, you know, sophisticated methods and things like that. Whereas at the end of the day, we still send referrals by fax machines. What we're doing with Clinect is the really unsexy work of healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) We are not creating virtual goggles for somebody to do surgeries in remote parts of Canada because that's great, but we need to fix the foundation of even the way that we send referrals first. I was talking with my brother-in-law is a family physician and he, he had a quote unquote walk-in phone call. Yeah. And he said, if he had come into the clinic, um, he would have spent like two hours waiting yeah. around in the, in the waiting room until he got to see him. He didn't have to take time off work. And then um, my brother-in-law just phoned him up and said, yeah, you know, saw him. It took him, you know, less than 10 minutes and it was just such a better experience for everyone. We have, we actually have a lot of our, like our surgeons are just doing phone consults right now. And that's surgeons with an initial consult, right? They're getting the information that they do need. So, so you're right. It can, it can be just a phone call sometimes too. Take me back to your, the first thing you said. So, so Canadian Medical Association Journal published an article that is advocating for uh, central intake. That is, well, I mean, as a journal article, I don't think they're advocating per se, but what they are doing was showing the benefit of a central intake on the access of surgery post-COVID. Right. Yeah. Because um, during COVID, we have just, we, we stopped elective surgeries almost altogether. And there are some big numbers being... Um, used around how many surgeries were cancelled and how many surgeries have been missed during this time. Yeah, I mean, so those surgeries were scheduled, right? So they that referral has already happened. Yeah. Um, this the specialist already has that. So what what happens now? Like, what's the what's the process? Does that does that get like? Does that have to be re referred or does the Yeah. So this is where, and this is where I'm trying to figure out, like, is there a reshuffle of them? Right. So this, and when I talk about Clinect being long-term, that's where this comes in. Clinect is long-term because it starts from the need of a referral first through to the referral actually being sent. Whereas these are typically referrals that have already been sent and potentially already been initial consulted on, um, maybe multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already at the place where we know they need a procedure. So is there a way to, in the short term, reshuffle these through a central intake that takes into account necessary items to reshuffle, not items, but constraints to reshuffle. Let's call them surgical referrals. In a way that you know, reshuffles them based on their category, their urgency and the availability Mm -hmm. of the surgeons themselves, because that may have changed. And you can imagine too, some of these people, like they, like we didn't, we didn't hit pause on their symptoms. (laughs) So some of these people may have been like kind of in the semi-urgent category have now bumped up to urgent, bumped up in urgency because their symptoms are now worse. So they do, they do need a very quick, efficient uh, system 
to take a look at those changes and then reallocate them. Right. Potentially reallocate them. Meaning it could go back to the same, the same surgeon that was supposed to do it, or it could go to another one now. Do you think you would see some of those referrals start to move around the province? And yeah, like, is that whose job is that? Like, whose job is to, to review what has changed? Is that the surgeon's or the specialist's job? Is that the family physician's job? It well, certainly is not the patient's job, I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, that's all part of it, too. Yeah. Uh, whose job is it right now? So the patient is in the care still of the surgeon. Or the specialist. And in this case, we're talking surgery, so I can use the word surgeon. Um, And so it really is on them to kind of monitor as to where where they're at. But as you can imagine, (laughs) there's no pause on this. It just keeps coming. So now we've put almost unattainable expectations upon these surgeons to, um, sorry, you won't be doing procedures anymore. And yes, your wait list is building and building and building, but now you still got to keep keep track of all these patients and where they're at. I mean, that's insurmountable. So is there is there a way that we can quickly and efficiently do that as part of the reshuffle? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it seems plausible. I would love to work with a group that is so inundated <laughs> then <laughs> so up to their like eyeballs that they do, like they're like I don't I don't even know how we're going to restart our surgeries but are willing to work as a group to do it mm-hmm. and have an idea of how they might do like how they could manually do it but that would just take too much time and resources I would love to go in with them and say let's try it let's try something and can we build it like could we build something for you I think that'd be cool. I think it'd be cool. I'm so excited about all of the potential that that this product has, not just for like selfishly, you know, everyone has experienced the <laughs> the problem of of getting a referral to some specialist somewhere and and just sort of not having any idea of what's going on. Exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to just having my problem solved. But um, <laughs> it's 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 cool to think that that you know there's there's some impact that we can have on on healthcare on access to healthcare the thing that everyone points to about Canada like <laughs> you have this wonderful healthcare system and it 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 is it's great in a lot of ways and not mm-hmm. so great in in many other ways um it's just it feels it's really exciting to be part of this you're right in saying that you know Canada is often looked at as and held up in the way that our healthcare works and the access. And I'm hesitant to say this, but I think it makes us a bit complacent when we do talk about the forward thinking that we could do around further accessibility mm-hmm. and further furthering that, that um, the healthcare that we do have is because we do a lot of back, like back, back padding um, of ourselves. I don't know if that's the word. Um, to say like, look at us, we, we, do, we do so well. Yeah. Um, and it makes us a bit complacent. And I think we could do a hell of a lot better for not a lot of massive shifts, but literally just doing what we do 10 times better. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited too. I think the timing is wild. Oh my goodness. You look back to where we were, you know, last year when we were yeah. just sort of starting to talk about some of this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, smart people have predicted that the pandemic is coming, but no one listened to them. But I mean, we certainly did not have any clue that this was going to happen. Not a clue. Trying not to feel like opportunistic. Um, I mean, I, I don't feel like we are being opportunistic at all because we started this journey a long time ago. Um, but it is, you know, there's a problem and we can help with it. And we've got, you know, we've got a kick-ass team to, to, to solve this. That's exactly the way I yeah. feel about it too. And we're, and here's the best part about it. We're nimble enough to keep, um, not re not reacting to anything, but nimble no. enough to allow us to do some deep thinking around it and shift. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's what I love about um, where we're at too is, is we're not just this big company that takes forever to maybe like steer the ship slightly one degree to the mm-hmm. left, but instead mm-hmm. um, we're like, Oh wow, look at that. Let's like, let's, let's incorporate that piece. Our users are saying, please, please, please do this. Okay, let's do it. Let's like, let's make that better. And I think for me, because the ethos of the company have always been grounded in the fact that we are building this for the, for, for the people, for the physicians to use for mm-hmm. um, not for ourselves. Um, that I've, I've never really felt opportunistic about it at all because um, I am so comfortable in the, the um, philosophy that we built this on that I, yeah. that I, I feel it's desperately needed it was needed years ago. And we're being very thoughtful about the approach to things, yeah. you know, thinking about, thinking about the privacy, thinking about, um, you know, thinking about it from not just the point of view of the physicians or the specialists or the medical office assistant who, who's using the software, but also, you know, what does that look like for the patient long-term? Having worked in healthcare and having been like just bound um, from making big impacts due to um, just simply lack of good data, lack of sophisticated data, lack of any type of meaningful information to make decisions on. Um, that's why I was so excited to move out of the system to a place where I could influence that. Mm-hmm. In a like once again, in a really like this is unsexy work, but at the end of the day, when I see the impact that the potential impact, it's it's overwhelmingly positive. So, in so many different areas, for the patient, for the physician, for the like the the use of population data, for you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I just feel like it's not like we you know hit really hard in one area, but rather we we. I think we're going to hit a few home runs in a few in a few different arenas here. So that's exciting. Home runs in arenas. That's how I sports think, works. I think that's an awful. We're gonna can take that one out. No, I'm gonna leave that in. I like I like mixing metaphors. I'm a big it's fan. It's so bad though. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, nope. Let's rewind that part. <laughs>